Today's program is brought to you by TechServe. For more information, visit TechServe.com. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.
man. I need a new computer. I guess I'm gonna have to go to the Apple Store. What? Don't go to the Apple Store. Go to TechServe. What's TechServe? I thought Apple Store was the only choice. No, you're crazy. TechServe is so much better than the Apple Store. They're New York's original and still the best Apple computer, iPod, and iPhone store and repair shop. Plus, the store is really cool. You gotta go check it out. They're located at 119 West 23rd Street. Well, that settles it. I'm, I'm headed to TechServe. TechServe is a proud sponsor of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. For more information, visit TechServe.com. That's T-E-K-S-E-R-V-E.com. Oh, man. Summer. Summer. What, what a summer jam. That was just div. Dive? Dive. Dive. Um, used to be D-I-V-E. Right. Now it's D-I-I-V. Uh-huh. Which is more... I, hey, they took the lesson and made it more Googleable. No, it's more Googleable. And, that's... and uh, they will be playing live, still L-I-V-E, on the show. And that was How Long Have You Known? Um, off the um, ocean, ocean um, from Capture Track. O-S-H-I-N. Yeah, nothing is like it seems. Uh, you're listening to Snacky Tunes. We're your hosts, Greg and Darren Bresnitz. Can I say welcome back to America, Mom and Dad? Yeah, Mom and Dad just got back from few weeks down under down under mates mates we got a lot of like very basic he- heaps of emails heaps of emails, heaps of emails. Um, so uh, we're coming at you a little bit a little bit late today a little bit late we got a little bit of a late start but it's summer it's, we're moving slowly over here uh, but we are very very excited to have in studio gourmet sorbet so nice they named it twice it rhymes something like that and we have uh, Nicole Cardone and Deborah Gorman welcome to Snacky Tunes Thank you. It's so nice to be here. And what are we What are we enjoying right now? What am I uh, starting my summer with? Uh, like I said, it's sort of our take on the Long Island iced tea, but it's a sorbet sun tea infused with a little bit of booze for you guys to make our afternoon a little happier. Oh, there's booze in here. <laughs> you didn't no, really, no I, I actually didn't notice. No, it's it's totally yeah. It's great. I actually didn't. You're notice. just feeling much better naturally. <laughs> I mean, I have to go out back to work after this. So, um, so there, allow me to put my straw in. You, you two have such a. A varied and different background career. Um, and before we get to gourmet sorbet, let's talk about. Um, well, Nicole, let's start with you. You are born and raised in Alaska. I was, yes. And how did you wind up in New York? You know, I had, uh, I like to say, I had delusions of grandeur. I thought that I could come and go to Wall Street and, you know, make a living and enjoy every minute of it. And uh, really, not the reality. <laughs> What's it like to live in a place like Alaska? And, and what was your impression of New York before you moved here? You know, I thought that everyone who lived here had to have been the coolest person on earth. I grew up in a town where it was full of a whole bunch of Be tra- nice. transplants. No okay. transplants. It's true. I mean, it was really the last frontier, if you think about it. it there was no other uncharted territory, especially in, in North America. And everyone went up there in the 70s. And it was like, you know, kind of like the gold rush with the uh, oil pipeline and all that. So it was a pretty wild town. Did you spend any time on uh, fishing boats or pumping oil or canneries or things like that? <laughs> Not professionally, but it was that was fun for us. That so, was yes. fun? <laughs> exactly. That was fun. And Deb, where did you grow up? I grew up in New York City. Oh. Manhattan. So, Manhattan. So you're one of those one of those few original people. Yeah, and then I moved to Brooklyn as soon as I could. As soon as you could. <laughs> part of Brooklyn? Uh, first in Williamsburg, but then I lived in Prospect Heights and Crown Heights and... I think a few other places that I can't remember, but now, unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, I live in LA half the year too, so I'm, uh, I'm doing the bi-coastal thing. And this, and unlike Nicole, you've always wanted to cook. You learned your grandmother, right? Yeah, my grandmother taught me to cook when I was, I don't know how old I was. I guess I was old enough to reach the counter, and ever since then, she just inspired me to love entertaining, love food, love inspiring people with other new flavors and new combinations. So. I've always had that dream, even though it took me a little while to get there. But once I did, I 
I just have been devoted to cooking. I love it. And you have a resume. Why don't you just quickly reel off the places where you've worked? Um, I started at the most awesome place, I think, to cook is at Blue Hill at Stone Barns. Um, and, so amazing. And that was probably, it was a crazy place to start your culinary career. How did you get in as your first place being um, there? I think I... I walked in at the right time and the right place, and my resume was like all advertising. Like I hadn't worked in the culinary world, so they um, they were just they they got took me on as a free intern, and then three weeks later they hired me as a, a line cook. Which One is of those crazy. things where someone had put down their knife a second yeah, before you walked it was in, good and they were just like, "We need the next person who walks in." Exactly. So I I lucked out there, and then were I were you commuting? I was living nearby, actually, at the time. Yeah, so I was I was staying up north, and then um, I worked at Avoche where I did pastry. Um, that's where I learned to make sorbet. And then after that, I worked with Greg Kuntz and helped him open Gray's and unfortunately closed Cafe Gray because of the economy, oh, right. So, which was an awesome place to work. It's such a beautiful restaurant. So That was one of the yeah. first uh, casualties of the economy, right? I think so. It was pretty sad. Yeah, it was pretty sad. Now, Nicole, you started making sorbet in the early 2000s yeah under what where did you come home from wall street and need some basically outlet <laughs> i did i had to I had to release my frustration and smash up fruit um no you know i've always had a passion for food and i thought it was just going to be a sideline hobby and um i was making sorbet in college for fun from the farmers markets and just found that it was always better than anything i could buy in a store and i with all my business experience, you had always had an entrepreneurial dream, ultimately, and finally put two and two together. And everyone has seemed to take to it so far, so hopefully uh, it's got legs. Let's talk about the early days of sorbet making. Um, what were those like? Those were going to the farmer's market at the end of the day, waiting until the peach place was closing up and picking out all of her overripe, bruised flute fruit fly ridden peaches and bringing home a big garbage bag full of it for like five dollars <laughs> and wow. I would go home and I would chop them up and I would make the most incredible fresh peach sorbet and I was at the time living with three other roommates in a sort of college type uh, apartment building and I would just share with everyone on a hot rooftop and people would rave about it and it was just fun people so. talk about when they make their own sauce or jam or things like that the trick is to get the second pickings or wait to the end of the day. Exactly. Uh, at farmers markets. Why is that? Well, you get first of all the the overripe bruised fruit is perfect for making sorbet because it's all those sugars are naturally sort of coming to be just before they turn, and also you get great deals. You get I mean, a great it, deal. It, it, you get a great deal. I mean, that's the same why like the gross bananas make the best banana bread. Exactly. Yeah. Like because the sugars. The sugars. They've developed. So once the longer fruit ripens, the more sugar is created. You and mean, then that means saying, we have to add less sugar. Yeah. Which is so the does good it, you, when, you, when it changes from ripe, ripens to decomposing? <laughs> right it's, before it's that. You don't want it to be alcoholic yet. Yeah. No. Even though we add that la later. Well, <laughs> we add that later. As, yeah. yeah. You know, when I make jam, I always just see what fruit's on sale because a lot of the fruit on sale is there's some either super underripe ones and then super overripe ones and the yeah. balance sort of makes it really nice. That's if you exactly can smell right. it before you get there, that's a good that's a good word. Though. So, any early sorbet mishaps, anything that you experimented with that just people went, "Oh, no thanks, I'm sort of full." <laughs> I probably didn't bring those out to people. I think that I have a pretty good palate on my own and would not bring out anything less than what I considered the best uh, for friends and family, but I've definitely had some of my own that were just absolute and failures. Anything that you thought that like, you're like, oh, this one's going to be great and it just kind of fell short? You know, I, 
funnily enough, the lemon is very difficult because you're walking that fine line between being too sweet and too tart. And so, so many times people have very different palates as well. So something that I think is great, you know, I might have a friend that says that is way too sweet or way too tart. So I did many, many variations on lemon before I think we just got it right. Now, Deb, to go back to your culinary search for fresh ingredients and things like that, you worked at Animal for a little bit, didn't for you? For a very short time, yeah. So uh, what was it like working for Animal, and do you bring some of that to the uh, sorbet you make together? Um, I it, haven't used any pork products yet in the sorbet. No bacon sorbet? <laughs> Not yet. I mean, the, the nature of sorbet, it doesn't have any dairy and it doesn't have any um, eggs in it. And I mean, maybe we'll do a bacon. Who knows? Like, I know Maybe if I mix in. A little uh, candied bacon. Yeah. And you have your own company as well. Yeah, right? the Good Knife, and also I do private chefing as well. So um, I'm sort of, this is my, right now, this is my all in. And I also actually do a show called The Golden Skillet, which is about grandmothers, and which I learned from my grandmother. So I interview other grandmothers and uh, pass those recipes on. So I'm doing a lot of different stuff. But right now, the gourmet sorbet is uh, my, my wholehearted <laughs> investment because it takes a lot to start a company. So let's talk about the company. So, Nicole, you're making sorbet as a, as a hobby. And at what point did you say, I'm going to go for it? I would say it's probably about, um, I'd say just about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, where I started really putting a business plan together. And I started playing around with different sorbets. I had the, you know, Cuisinart frozen bowl ice cream makers, and I had a ton of them in the freezer. And I even remember going out on my porch in the winter when it was snowing making sorbet because I thought my kitchen was too warm. It was melting the bowl. So <laughs> I, uh, I was making different recipes constantly. And then when I realized that I had a good thing going, I started looking to the commercial recipe making, and that's a completely different monster. I mean, it really is science when it, you break it down. You have to measure the, sh- the sugar content in the fruit, the acidity in the fruit, because every piece of fruit is different, and you not always, not every strawberry is created equal. So Different that, level of pectin, cooking, Oh, my like gosh. That. It just, the list goes on and on, and I had reached out to Deborah uh, because I knew that she was you know, incredible at her craft, and I was probably more better suited to focus my time on the business aspects, getting the permits and licensing and all the accounting and small business work that I, I was doing before. So did you two know each other before? Yeah. How did you two meet? What story you two? Well, a lovely woman named Jean is a woman who I work with um, for one of the families that I private chef for, and she connected us because Jean is Nicole's mother-in-law and so Jean's worked with me for many years and I've worked with her in the kitchen and she just knew that the two of us would get along we have very similar creative like both of us love to just come up with flavors that are not out there and just new exciting combinations so she knew that the two of us would have a similar vision and she also knows how hard both of us work so <laughs> it was a, yeah. it was a good match <laughs> yeah, it's, it's scary picking a business partner especially you know you hear so many horror stories and you know Deborah and I not being close friends previously may have seemed sort of like a pitfall, but I think in the end it really made our, our relationship initially very professional and we've grown very close as friends now. But um, at the same time, our vision has been always the same and I think that we made a good fit. Yeah, so it's awesome. We got lucky. And then you start Mar- March, uh, when was the official launch of Gourmet Survey? Uh, well, official incorporation was March 2012, the beginning of March. Yeah. So Deborah and I had been working on things and she was testing the recipes in LA, uh, selling at restaurants. Um, and getting real customer feedback, real-time feedback, which was extremely important before you launch any business. And once we realized this was a go, we incorporated and brought everything to New York. Awesome. All right, we'll take a quick pause, then we're going to talk everything. We're going to talk, we're going to get the real uh, 
I guess nuts and bolts are not a, the real ice and fruit juice <laughs> of this business and about, you know, uh, where you can get it and how it's different and all the good things. And we'll keep drinking these drinks. Gourmet Sorbet in the house here on a beautiful yeah. summer day. And we got Dive playing. Uh, dive playing live. Dive playing live in a, in a little bit.
my god, sorry. Oh, is that your side? You like it? It's awesome. Like my purity ring, unearthed. High-end sorbet. I mean, the highest event sorbet. Strawberry it's, chocolate? Strawberry chocolate ripple. What type of ripple. chocolate do you use? Uh, we actually make our own ripple, but it's out of a Valrona chocolate. Wait, what's, what's a ripple? It's just a smoother uh, sort of melted chocolate that doesn't freeze hard, so you can enjoy it with the uh, sorbet texture. But we use a so dark uh, Valrona chocolate, which is a French chocolate. You want to shout out where you get your pistachios from? Do you guys yeah, shout them yourselves? Yeah, we do. I found them. Actually, no, we don't shout them ourselves. <laughs> um, I'm Santa- just being smart. <laughs> Santa Barbara um, uh, Pistachio Company. So I found them in LA and just thought that they were the brightest, most freshest pistachios out there. So it's been, yeah, they've been great. They've been sending it out here. So we're uh, we're going to continue to uh, use those for everything for pistachio. So if you were to elevator pitch me on what makes gourmet sorbet different than any other sorbet on a mass produced level, go. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, I, honestly, I think it's really just about quality. You know, we only do sorbet. Most people do sorbet as an afterthought, as a second, a second look. A sorbet is our focus. It is everything, and we put the absolute top quality ingredients in everything. Um, we wait till something is in season. We don't put underripe strawberries in our strawberry puree. We don't buy pre-made purees. We make everything ourselves. We hand haul every single strawberry ourselves. Quality checking every single step of the way. I really trust in the consumer to tell the difference between quality food and things that are over-processed. Um, and yeah, just like our lemon juice. Because we, we've noticed that if you get like commercial lemon juice, it just tastes, it has like that canned taste. Right. So if you fresh squeeze your lemon juice and make the sorbet that night, like it's awesome. There's such a difference. And the lemon time, if you guys taste in your drinks, it's just like it's got that brightness. Um, and also, we always thought, I always thought of sorbet as like the unfortunate stepchild of the ice cream right. business. Because it's like nobody, like the poor neglected like sorbet in the corner that nobody really cares about or it seems much interest but if you focus on the sorbet and make that your nut and bolts so to speak or ice <laughs> dry ice and uh, and scoops um you you realize that there's like so much for sorbet to offer so we're trying to reinvent and rediscover sorbet in a way that it's not just like the old you know alternative to ice cream it's like it's its own can you get a cleaner taste of fruit and toppings in sorbet versus froyo and, and ice cream yeah i mean i think that that's we we sort of it's sort of our joke between the two of us that uh froyo sort of run its course i mean i think that everyone has had the tart yogurt and i think it's great i love it but i also love all the toppings and we basically take those toppings which are the real focus of the flavor and make pure sorbet out of it and it's really just about a pop of an explosion of flavor in your mouth that you know you really don't get with ice cream and other things it's really more about the creaminess and the heavy, rich, richness. But if you're into that, we also have our nutty flavors that are just as creamy and decadent yeah, as an ice cream. That pistachio, right. I, I want two scoops. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what's great too is we really we don't do any dairy substitutes. So everything that's every ingredient that is in our sorbet is a number one flavor. So we're not putting something in there to make it creamy and then calling it pistachio. I mean, it's just pistachio, salt, and sugar. That's what it is. Uh, number one flavor. Well, we're saying so if we're what ca- if it's what, yeah, what does that phrase mean? Well, we're, we mean that we're highlighting the the ingredients that are in it. Mm. So there's no subtle ingredients that are there to make it creamy that aren't in flavor. So if we put coconut milk in our sorbet, it's because it's a coconut flavor. Got it. I I see what you're saying. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what can uh, the sorbet use? It being essentially frozen fruit or pistachio. Like that. What are the cooking applications of your product? Uh, well, there. Sorbet's a great. Yeah, <laughs> I'll defer to the chef. Um, <laughs> um, there, well, we actually most recently we've discovered this is not a cooking, but this is more a summer fun drink application. As we were drinking these drinks, is that people just love 
putting sorbet on top of drinks. So if it's coffee, we put like the we make an affogato with our coconut um, chai, or we do a um, coconut chai muki, which is a great flavor as well. And we've been doing you know all kinds of sun teas and um, topping them with different flavors and even alcoholic beverages, which has actually been the really fun. Like we've been doing some catering events where we like we bring our whole bar of sorbet assortments. So for that application, and then also for your everyday cook, like any dessert that you would normally serve, like a waffle, we put our strawberry chocolate ripple on top of fresh made waffles and they are amazing. (laughs) So it's things like that where you can just use it instead of ice cream in many ways for kind of a lighter, more fruity option for summer. Mm What is this ice block sculpture that I've been hearing rumors about with LED and what is it? Well, we've been doing, uh, we've been we've been working on some catering jobs and uh, recently people have become more interested in really boosting up the idea that everything is ice and how fun that is and, um, you know, ice blocks and we've been working with an ice sculpture to sort of get something very modern, very sleek, nothing too gaudy, but just fairly fun and and vibrant, like the sorbet, as a display table for our, our sorbet, basically. So we're going to serve it on top of the ice mm-hmm. and just have little shooters. We have mini cones. We have little mini sandwiches. So the ice display, almost like a raw bar would be, but just like really minimalist and with LED lights lighting it from behind to kind of give some sorbet colored effects going on as well. It's now, really where, awesome. Where can I get this? Well, right now we are selling at the DeKalb Market, uh, and we are there every weekend. That place is so crazy. It's great. You know, it's a fantastic market, and you got to get there soon because they're closing in October. They are moving into a lo- new location, which oh, really? I don't think has been solidified yet. Um, but, you know, it's just a fun place. I mean, obviously, gourmet sorbet is there, but there's a lot of other great food vendors, and you have great Maharlika. shopping, too. Maharlika is there. Uh-huh. They're great. Yeah, there's also, I mean, you can make a whole lunch out of it. You can go there and have, like, you could have a taco from this person. You can have a grilled cheese from, you know, all our different, like, there's such amazing vendors there. So it's, and it's also just a really cool spot. Like, the containers look awesome. And they're just, like, old shipping containers they've made into stores. And they're such a such an awesome spot. So fun. Yeah, and, you know, they have live music. They have all kinds of, like, DJs and bands and people come and play and entertainment. So they're, they're always trying to keep it fun and active so it's always a good time the shipping containers are awesome yeah yeah and we're actually going to sell out of one of those containers probably during the week so Nile Valley should have our our sorbet coming up soon so if you want if you're there during the week and you want some sorbet you can go there and also we're going to be in Sag Harbor we're going to sell pints out of out of mason jars in uh, Cavanola's so if you're in Sag Harbor go to Cavanola's like cheese shop right next to the cheese shop is a prepared food store and they have awesome cheese in one spot and they're going to have our sorbet next door um, and ice cream day. We're going to be also at ice cream day right. by um, Smorgasbord has an ice cream day on on July 21st. Thank you. And actually, New Amsterdam Market is also doing an ice cream Sunday on August 19th, and we're going to be there as well. So. So what's the next phase? Where are you going? You know. What are you going to do during the winter? <laughs> that's a good question. You know, I don't think that our brand is established enough to uh, make it through a New York winter just yet. Although that will be the goal. Uh, we are planning oh. to go to LA. I think that that yes. is a natural progression, considering Deborah lives out there most of the year, and they have a much longer season, growing mm-hmm. season especially. So yeah, um, but there's amazing produce there. So it's just you know, like during the winter in New York, being seasonal and trying to be local is just sort of it's sort of depressing. <laughs> as much as I love New York, <laughs> so going to LA was sort of an interesting change for me as a chef. Like I went to follow where I could get the best ingredients, and that's where right now in the winter you find them from LA or from that from the Southern California area. Um, and also, like we've been selling at a bunch of restaurants as well, so that's been fun in LA. Eleni Oyster Bar is the I was a pastry consult chefing there, which was really fun, and they um, 
they've been selling our surveys. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you can so come to LA. <laughs> we ultimately like to be going in both markets uh, simultaneously. Absolutely. So that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, uh, thank you for being on the show. Can you give people like nuts and bolts where they can find you? Twitter, website, all that stuff. Including, what is your nickname? Oh, oh right. <laughs> We've been dubbed the Sorbabes. Sorbet. And we'll hopefully t-shirts will be coming out soon. So if you eat our sorbet, you are instantly part of our sorbabe. So you guys. Young, old, male, awesome. female. Everybody others, you can are, be a sorbet. <laughs> you are sorbabes. So Twitter, um, website, all that stuff. We're just at Gourmet Sorbet. So Gourmet Sorbet, very easy to remember and spelled uh, as it should be spelled. <laughs> gourmet, G-O-U-R-M-E-T-S-O-R-B-E-T. So Twitter, Facebook, uh, we're on Food Spotting. Um, Foursquare. Foursquare. Check out our uh, reviews on Yelp. We've been very fortunate. I've had some incredible customers. So yeah, five stars on Yelp. That's five great. Stars. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> well, Nicole, Deb, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Have a thank great you. summer. Thank you guys you are awesome. Yours. Thanks. We have Dive playing live in the studio. Here we go. Snacky Tunes. You make the wrong impression Once in a while You break in my heart And I've been walking miles To tag along with your shadow So don't keep stalling I'm just gonna keep on calling for you Don't run away Just stay a while I'm gonna need your help your future Cause messing up yeah, yeah. is so hard to redeem And you should maybe be my teacher Oh, cause otherwise I ain't joining that team No, once in a while You make the wrong impression Yeah, once in a while You break in my I'm just gonna keep on falling for you I doubt in my knees This is the new survival But I got up under my feet Cause I can't control it huh. I doubt in my knees This is the new survival But I got up under my feet Cause I can't control myself Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our programs archived on our website or by searching iTunes for Heritage Radio Network. 
You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website. Thanks for listening.